indeed the sorrow and the suffering of the cross was more than, than we can in any way comprehend. It seems that, and often we portray it this way, that after Jesus gives assurance to the thief on the cross, I tell you today, you will be with me in paradise. Things seem to grow steadily darker, both literally and emotionally. In the two verses just preceding the last words of Jesus that we are going to explore today uh, in our final sermon on these words, on this Words from the Cross series, we are told of the literal darkness that, that covered the earth during Jesus' crucifixion. Luke chapter 23, verses 44 and 45. It was now about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. Three hours of literal darkness. While the sun's light failed, verse 45, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. We also hear in the words of Jesus, in the, in the pictures painted around the cross, that there was this emotional and, and spiritual darkness Jesus was going through. We hear it when he cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And I affirm the statement, the classic statement in the great work, Desire of Ages, the Savior could not see through the portals of the tomb. Hope did not present to him his coming forth from the grave, a conqueror, or tell him of the Father's acceptance of the sacrifice. He feared that, son, that sin was so offensive to God that their separation was to be eternal. But Jesus, but did Jesus stay in this state until the very end? Did he stay in this place of, of deep agony, of spiritual and emotional star, sorrow all the way until that moment of his final demise? In most depictions of Jesus' time on the cross, the answer is yes. Last year, Christine and I took our boys to Southern Adventist University for their uh, yearly passion play. They do this thing called the Sunrise Pageant, and, and it's this live action drama. It begins in the, in the sanctuary of the College Dell Church, and it moves all over the campus of Southern Adventist University. In, in live action, you get to see the scenes of Jesus' last week, and then, and then really those last few days of his life, including the crucifixion and the resurrection. And the scene from the cross ends with Jesus crying out, it is finished, and, and then saying in this mournful tone, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And it, it is portrayed there at the sunrise pageant and, and in most representations of this moment as this final act of surrender, as if, as if Jesus is resigning to his fate, resigned to his fate. He's accept, accepting the fate of, that has been laid upon him, his demise. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. A resonating tone. And at this moment in the scene, everything feels very heavy and still very dark and full of despair and, and lacking hope. 
And while that might have been true about the way that it felt for many around that cross, I propose that Jesus was not in that moment surrendering to his fate. He was no longer in that season of darkness that he had been in just a little while earlier. He was no longer in the sense of of great sorrow that, that he was completely cut off from God. The Bible tells us that Jesus said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And I don't believe that this was Jesus surrendering to the decision and the will of God, but rather embracing hope and trust in God. He was not committing to just death. He was committing to trusting in God the Father, in having hope in God the Father. This is his commitment. I commit my spirit. In other words, I commit to hoping in you, God. Tone changes everything. We can paint the entire picture of the cross as as this very dark moment, basically from the time he promises the thief, which is a hopeful moment, until the end there we can paint the rest of it as just very dark. But tone changes everything. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Resigned, angst-ridden, Or Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Peaceful, calm, hopeful. Now, of course, I was not there, so so can I just change the tones of the moment? Can I just decide which tone I feel is best based on my desire or or my creative imagination? I, I shouldn't do this. We should be cautious to to lay upon the scriptures our own desires and our own wishes of what it was actually saying. But, but I'm not suggesting changing the tone based on my desire or, or my imagination. I, I change the tone based on the belief that I have that, that Jesus never wasted a single word. Jesus didn't waste a single word. And this is why I believe that the tone is not dark and negative in this final moment. Throughout this sermon series, whether you have realized it or not, Jesus, time and time again, is referencing Scripture. He's referencing the Old Testament. He's showing the relevance of the Old Testament and how it remains throughout history and throughout eternity. And these last words, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit, are a direct quote from the Bible. And when I turn to that quote, when I turn to that moment that Jesus speaks, it changes the entire picture for me of what Jesus was experiencing actually in that final moment of his last breath. If you have your Bible there in your home with you, I want to invite you to turn to Psalm 31. And because you are watching this, one of the good things is you can just pause it and then go get your Bible and unpause it. We'll wait for you if you want to go do that now. Psalm 31 and verse 5, the beginning of verse 5, it reads, Into your hand I commit my spirit. Jesus on the cross is directly quoting Psalm 31, just as he has 
in multitude of other places as he spoke on the cross. He was quoting scripture or he was referencing scripture or giving an, an allusion to scripture in some way. So Jesus here referencing scripture recites Psalm 31, a portion, a piece of Psalm 31. Into your hand I commit my spirit. Now Jesus, of course, doesn't recite all of Psalm 31. But in speaking these words, I believe Jesus is drawing our attention to that 31st Psalm. This is what happens oftentimes in the New Testament. We see it all the time in the book of Revelation. And we see it in, in the writings of Paul. And we see it in the Gospels where, where Jesus quotes a portion of a text or, or references a portion of a text and it, it alludes to something in the Old Testament. It draws our minds back to that. So we go to look and see what is the context of what Jesus is quoting. And so when I went back and I read this week Psalm 31, no longer did, did this picture seem like, seem like a resigned Jesus or a defeated Jesus or a sorrowful Jesus or a cast down Jesus. In, in this moment, it seemed like a, a hopeful Savior. When I read Psalm 31, I saw a hopeful Savior, a trusting Savior. In his last breath, he had come out of the darkness, and now he chose, even though he was still on the cross, even though he was still suffering, even though his body was still in agony, he chose to, to breathe his last breath as a breath of hope. I see this because when my attention is drawn back to Psalm 31, what I see is a psalm that is all about a righteous individual that is suffering, but is suffering with hope. Let's look at the suffering first of Psalm 31. Back to Psalm 31, verses 9 and 10. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am in distress. My eye is wasted from grief. My soul and my body also, for my life is spent with sorrow and my years with sighing. My strength fails because of my iniquity and my bones waste away. Then the next stanza in the psalm, verses 11 and 12 and 13. Because of all my adversaries, I have become a reproach to my neighbors, especially to my neighbors, and an object of dread to my acquaintances. Those who see me in the street flee from me. I have been forgotten like one who is dead. I have become like a broken vessel. For I hear the whispering of many, of many terror on every side as they scheme together against me, as they plot to take my life. This is the picture of a person going through it. They're going through the struggle, through the darkness of life. And there are illusions. If you read that closely, you'll see allusions to the suffering of Jesus in these words. You'll see prophetic language of what Jesus would go through in this passage. In distress, he says, my eye is wasted from grief. So is my body and soul. We know that Jesus on the cross was not just suffering physically, but, but he was wasting away emotionally and, and full of grief because all of the sin had been placed upon him. Life is spent with sorrow, he says. There is a messianic prophecy in the Bible that speaks of Jesus as a man of sorrows. He's saying my life is spent with sorrows and the psalm says my life is spent with sorrows and we know that this is speaking of Jesus, one who is a man of sorrows. The person in this psalm writes about people fleeing from him, especially 
his neighbors, especially those closest to him. Jesus had his friends, his followers flee. The Jewish nation who should have known Jesus best rejected him the most. The psalm refers to this individual as a broken vessel. Jesus, at the Last Supper, told his friends that he would be broken for them. The psalm speaks of a whispering campaign, terror, people whispering terror on every side, plotting of how they might get rid of this individual, how they might kill him. There was a whispering campaign against Jesus, people scheming to trap him so that they could kill him. This is the one being spoken of in Psalm 31. We go back to Psalm 31 and we see this picture of what Jesus is going through. But Jesus quotes this psalm not to draw our attention to the suffering because the suffering is just the background of the psalm. The main thrust of Psalm 31, yes, all this picture of suffering, but the main thrust of Psalm 31 is hope and trust. It's belief in the power of God, the goodness of God, no matter what the suffering The scripture reads in Psalm 31, verse 14. But I trust in you, O Lord. I say you are my God. Everyone's fleeing me. Everyone's forsaking me. They're trying to kill me. But I believe in you, God. I trust in you. Verse 15. My times are in your hand. Oh, how abundant is your goodness, which you have stored up for those who fear you and work for those who take refuge in you. In the sight of the children of mankind, verse 20 of Psalm 31, in the cover of your presence you hide them from the plots of men. You store them in the shelter from the strife of the tongues. Verse 21, blessed be the Lord who has wondrously shown his steadfast love to me. When I was in a besieged city, I I had said in my alarm, I am cut off from your sight. Do you remember just... A few sermons ago, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This individual says, in my alarm, I asked you and spoke out and said, I'm cut off from your side. I'm forsaken from you. But continuing verse 22, but you heard the voice of my pleas for mercy when I cried to you for help. In other words, this individual is saying, I came through that feeling of being completely abandoned. And I realize that you are still there. Verse 23. Love the Lord, all you his saints. The Lord preserves the faithful, but abundantly repays the one who acts in pride. Verse 24. Be strong and let your heart take courage, all you who wait for the Lord. Hope is the foundation of Psalm 31. Psalm 31 is a messianic prophecy, painting the picture of the suffering of our Savior, and yet Jesus draws our attention to these words with his last breath, Father, into your hand I commit my spirit. Why would he say that? Because he wants us to be drawn back to this passage and realize that though there is suffering, the foundation underneath it all, there is still hope, there is still trust. Even the portion of Psalm 31 that Jesus directly quotes Listen to what surrounds that section of what Jesus quotes, beginning in verse three. For you are my rock and my fortress, and for your namesake you lead me and guide me. You take me out of the net 
they have hidden for me. You are my refuge. Into your hand I commit my spirit. And then these words, right after those words, you have redeemed me, O Lord, faithful God. Jesus, with his last breath, was not speaking a word of resignation. Of resignation. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Jesus spoke a word of hope. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. He was saying, I commit to this moment to trusting in the hope and the goodness of the Father. Through all that darkness that he'd gone through, that three hours of darkness all over the land, feeling rejected by God, feeling separated from God, feeling the, the pain and the agony of all of our sin. In his last breath, though, he recalled and he remembered that the goodness of the Father surpasses all suffering. Father, into your hand I commit my spirit. You will redeem me. That's what Psalm 31 says. The cloud of darkness had lifted, and now Jesus knew what he knew when he had said to the thief on the cross, I tell you today, you will be with me in paradise. Jesus now believes that again in his last moments. He has come through the moment of darkness on the other side, and he can see that God the Father is still there. He is not alone. He is not forsaken. No matter what he felt in that moment, God the Father is still there. His goodness remains, and his word is sure, and we can still take hope in it. Eugene Peterson, in the book Tell It Slant, describes these words as a prayer. And he wrote this about these words. Uncalculating trust, a prayer that comes out of a deep sense of well-being, security, safety, protection, with hands of blessing touching us and, reassure, and a reassuring voice of affection touching us, in, tucking us into a dreamless sleep in the company of holy angels. Jesus was not giving up. He was drawing our attention to his commitment to hope, to hope in the good that is to come, to hope in the goodness of the Father. It is why in just a moment you're going to hear a song and, and this song references the words of a prof another prophetic scripture, Psalm chapter 16. And in Psalm chapter 16, verses 10 and 11, the, the scripture reads this way, because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead. In other words, God, you're not gonna leave me dead. Nor will you let your faithful ones see decay. God, you're not gonna even let my, my body decay. This is prophesying about Jesus. You will make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. And the Bible tells us that Jesus was raised up and that he sits at the right hand of the Father. I believe that Psalm 31 and Psalm 16 are, are descriptions of Jesus' thoughts as he took his last breath. As he spoke the words, Father, into your hand I commit my spirit. 
So what is the practical application for us? What is, what is the word for our lives right now in 2020 and what we're going through? I don't believe these words that Jesus spoke and this commitment to hope in the Father should only be reserved for our deathbed. They should not be only reserved for that moment when we are going through our, the, the absolute extremes of life. Jesus told us two things that, were, that are very important for us to remember in this time, in this history. There's, there's some that, that preach that, that the prosperity gospel, that, that we will never go through anything because, well, we have Jesus. I was listening to a, a person speak from the state of Ohio, and it was a church that had that had decided they weren't going to close down during the COVID-19 virus. And, and the newscaster asked this individual, asked this lady, aren't you worried and aren't you, aren't you uh, afraid that you could get infected and infect others? And she goes, oh, I can't get infected in there because I'm fully covered with the blood of Jesus. Nothing can trouble me. That's not what the Bible teaches us, folks. Jesus tells us straight from his mouth, Two very important things we need to understand. The first is found in John chapter 16 and verse 33. In this world, you will have trouble. Now that is not good news and that's not necessarily hopeful. Jesus also told us when this trouble will be. And, and this also is not the best of news. In Matthew chapter 6 and verse 34... Jesus tells us in John chapter 16 and verse 33, in this world you will have trouble. Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 34, when this trouble, when we will have this trouble. Listen to this verse. Each day has enough trouble of its own. I hate to break it to you, folk, but on this earth, we're going to have trouble. And when will that trouble be? Unfortunately, every day. Some trouble on some days, will be minor and subtle. Little things here and there. But some days, those, those troubles, those challenges, will seem more than I, can, than I can deal with. Those troubles and those challenges will, will feel like I'm drowning. Sometimes even the minor troubles are, are so many that, that you just fill up and as the day goes along, you get to the end of the day and you're going, I, I don't know if I can take one more thing. I believe the example of Jesus on the cross and particularly this prayer that he prayed in that final moment, Father, into your hand I commit my spirit, is a model prayer for every day of our lives. It's a model prayer for every day of our lives. Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble. When is that trouble, Lord? Every day has enough trouble of its own. Now Jesus spoke these words while he was still on the cross, while he was still in physical agony, still being ridiculed by the masses. But, but he spoke them, and I hope I've shown that to you. He spoke them with hope. 
It wasn't resignation. It wasn't defeat. It was hope. He'd come through the darkness. He'd gone through all that darkness. And on the other side, what he realized is that the goodness and the mercy and the love and the hope of God the Father is still there. God is still there, he says, and a better day is coming. Psalm 31, into your hands I commit my spirit and I know you will redeem me. That is the practical application for us. In this world you will have trouble. When? Every day. But you will come through and on the other side you will know that the Father is still there and he will redeem you. Now I don't often assign homework at the end of my sermons, but, but I wanna ask you to participate in an exercise with me this week and maybe you wanna keep doing it on into the rest of your life. You can even start right now or you can start this afternoon. I want you to write your trouble down. Now I don't want you to rehearse your trouble, don't dwell on it, don't think of it, but all of you right now, as soon as I say, what is your trouble in your life? You can probably think of something and write it down. Write it in a journal, write it on a piece of paper, put it on your phone notes or on your iPad. But do it this afternoon and then what I want you to do is do it Every morning when you wake up, or just before you, you go to bed, or, or better yet, do it at both times. In the morning when you wake up, and the night before you go to bed. And then pray the prayer of Jesus. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And what you are praying there is you're committing to trust in the hope and the goodness of the Father that exists even through that trouble and after that trouble is over. Alive for another day of troubles in the world, in this troubled world, but we're committing to trust in the hope of our Father. Alive for another day of, of difficulty, but we're committing to trust in the goodness and hope of our Father, just as Jesus did on the cross. Lost a job, cut in pay, the stresses of homeschooling, a sick family member, cancer is still growing in you, the aches of old age, impatience with your children, frustration with a spouse, lonely and now isolated, so even lonelier. Too many Zoom meetings. Father, in your hands I commit my spirit, going through trouble today because I'm alive in this world, but I know that my Redeemer lives and on the other side is redemption. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Jesus, help us to pray this prayer over our troubles every single day. And we thank you that in your darkest hour you came through. And as you saw the hope and the redemption of the Father, you drew our minds back to that beautiful psalm in Psalm 31 so that we too could pray, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit and I know, I trust that you, my rock, will redeem us. We thank you, Jesus. Amen.